Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. This is Collier's Talks, and we cover topics ranging from change management to deep dives into specific regions and sectors of the Canadian commercial real estate industry. I'm Justin Marishak, Executive Vice President and Partner at Collier's, and today, we're going to be talking about how technology firms are impacting Calgary's commercial real estate landscape. Alberta has long been the energy capital of Canada, but we've also had a small yet mighty technology ecosystem. Over the past several years, investment in and support of Calgary's tech sector has grown exponentially, which has led firms who have historically had to relocate to other major markets in order to raise capital to scale and grow right here at home. In 2020, a record-setting $455 million in venture capital was raised to support Alberta's technology sector, which was nearly double the previous record set in 2019. A healthy technology ecosystem typically represents about 5% of the overall economy. Currently, that number is about 3%. So, the good news is we're on a great path and have lots of room to run. We're very fortunate today to be joined by Dr. Brian Everett, President and CEO of Orpix Medical Technologies. Orpix develops sensor-based wearable solutions to manage and mitigate diabetic foot complications. Brian is a highly accomplished leader in Calgary's technology space and has received many accolades, including being named one of Avenue Magazine's Top 40 Under 40, Women's Executive Network's Top 100 Most Powerful Women in Canada, and the University of Calgary's Graduate of the Last Decade in 2014. Thanks, Brian, for being here. Thanks, it's great to be here. With us today as well is Terry Rock, CEO of Platform Calgary. Terry's mandate with Platform is to make Calgary a global hub for startups and innovation through the belief that an inclusive tech-led approach to economic growth and diversification will unlock new avenues of prosperity for current and future Calgarians. Terry, thanks very much for being here as well. Great to be here. Terry, I'd like to start with you if we could. I'm curious to uh, learn more about Platform Calgary and the Innovation Centre. Would you mind telling us a little bit about Platform's mission and your vision for the facility? Yeah, Justin, um, great to be here to, to chat about this. Calgary has long been an economic powerhouse in our country, driven by massive success in the oil and gas sector. You said it in my intro, our job at Platform is to help our whole community uh, come together to make our city a global hub for startups and innovation. And what that means to us in practical terms is tripling the size of the tech sector over the next 10 years. So when you talk about GDP contribution, that's where we focus. We also know that to do that, we need to increase the diversity of our workforce in tech. And so we really think that inclusion is is fundamental to that. So we actually talk about building shared prosperity as part of our, our mission. We've got tons of research that says that cities around the world that put innovation and tech at the core of their economic development strategies grow faster and they create jobs of the future. So when I really pin it down, it's you know tens of thousands of new jobs that are part of the new economy. And then so the project I'm sitting right now inside the Platform Innovation Center that uh, is going to open uh, sometime in the next couple of months. I mean, boy, oh boy, the, the pandemic has uh, has been challenging to get a building for the public open, but we're on track for the next couple of months to open it. Our theme here is place, programs, and partners. Place is about a community that welcomes you, a, a literally a front door for innovation for our city. And 
programs means that at every stage, if you're an innovator, you can walk through that door and there's something there for you to make you go faster and bigger. And then we get that all done uh, through partners. And we have over 65 partners that when you walk through that door are immediately accessible to you as an innovator. So we really put the focus in on that person. This is going to be very highly programmed space. And at the end of the day, For people like Collier's, our goal is to get little companies to grow into big companies that are renting, taking long-term leases in our downtown. Uh, We have a rooftop that we can look and see downtown, and it's really inspiring to think that already it's happening. We've got people taking up space downtown from tech, uh, and that's just going to accelerate over time. Fantastic, Darren. Appreciate that. That's great feedback. Brian, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to uh, give the audience a little bit of insight into your journey from you know, becoming a doctor and surgeon to medical technology business leader. Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me, Justin. I'm really happy to be here. My transition into entrepreneurship and technology was something that I certainly hadn't planned for when I originally decided that I wanted to be a doctor and then a surgeon. In my training in surgery and specifically plastic and reconstructive surgery, I started to see, just as anyone on the front line does see, ways that the system, the products that we use, the the ways that we can support patients could change and could improve. And I, I had some ideas for specific ways that we could do that. And one was really linked to management of diabetes in the diabetic foot. It's a problem that really costs people limbs and lives every single day. And I was seeing that. And it's something that affects the vast majority of people actually living with diabetes. And it felt like nobody had actually addressed this in in the way that we are now doing that with Orpix and that the resources and minds really needed to be on doing that. So I came up with the idea and then ended up really being encouraged by the local ecosystem here to transition into a technology into a business and really start to put a dedicated effort to that. So I started to do that alongside my residency for a period of time and realized that those are two more than full-time jobs, being a surgical resident and being an entrepreneur. And if I really wanted to make a go of this, I had to commit fully. So I did that over 10 years ago, ended up going to the University of Calgary's Haskane School of Business for an MBA at the start of of getting the, the company off the ground and have really not looked back, have continued to grow the company, offshoots of the company like Kinetics, and uh, have been all along the way in many ways really supported by the ecosystem in which we exist here in Calgary. So really looking forward to what the future holds and you know all of the work that Terry's been doing with Platform I think is just a really exceptional way to provide those resources in that sort of single hub so that people like me who are getting started really have a place to go as there was just a lot of navigation that I think that time and energy and trying to figure out where you are can just be condensed to that's where you go. So yeah, very excited about that. Can I jump in and just say like how I would summarize our mission in a, is to just a hundred more brands in Calgary and then we're good. <laughs> we all be very happy with that, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do have one question, just sort of on the, the the growth and the scaling of the company. You know, we've heard from a lot of technology clients over the years that Calgary's been a tough place to get mid level capital. It's an easy place to get Series A in a lot of cases, but you want to get to a scalability point. It can be challenging. 
I guess, what was your experience on that? And did you ever think about having to move out of Calgary to grow the company potentially? Absolutely. So that thought crossed my mind many times in probably the first five to seven years of running the company. Like, what am I doing? Why am I in Calgary? This doesn't make sense. This is not the place to be. And I would say in the past three years, that really hasn't crossed my mind. So early on, we had, as you say, that that early capital where you're getting sort of angel-sized checks, family, friends, investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a ton of work, but we were able to get the funding that we required to really start and start prototyping. And then it became very challenging leading up to the Series A. And the Series A is a very broad term in our world because we actually were attempting to raise a Series A for like six years <laughs> until we finally did. So we ended up bringing in quite a bit of angel funding and it was always very hand to mouth. So we were able to get resources, but it wasn't the resources we needed at the time to really invest and scale in the way that we needed, given the complexity of the business and the fact that you're dealing with a physical technology plus programming to support that technology and software. Like there's just a lot to do that well. So it took some time to get there. And I think that the environment today is changing very dramatically relative to when we first committed to raising that larger round. And that's changed in a number of ways. So it's changed in how open the community is to invest in and support technology companies. The number of people that are willing to write checks and want to write checks and want to engage in the creation of the future is much larger and the energy around it is much higher. So it was sort of a side of the desk thing for a lot of people before, and now it's very front and center. There's a lot of talk about it. You know, even the physical presence of something like Platform Downtown is a reminder of all of the resources and growth that's happening here. And it's exciting and people want to be a part of it. So that's one thing. I think there's also an increased willingness for investors to reinvest. So I think 10 years ago, an investor would be more likely to think about an investment in a startup as a single investment Mm -hmm. versus now I think there's much more of an acknowledgement that it takes time to build more of a propensity for investors to be reinvesting and supporting along that growth. So you invest, you see success. The next time the company raises, you put in a bit more and there's more of a consistency in that. And then we have just many more programs in place and people within the city that means that we have this network of trust as the the rainforest group would say where things move faster there's supports in place and examples of success where you can see that you're not just donating your investment to a startup it's going to not move along there's just more to pull people along and this infrastructure skeleton to increase the likelihood of success so there's just been massive change all around in the past 10 years. And I think that it's been very, very good for, for entrepreneurs. Fantastic. Well, that's, that, again, that's great feedback. I, and Terry, I mean, I, I know part of the center is the investor lounge uh, just yeah. above pitch deck there. Like that's a pretty cool space. Maybe we can chat about that for just a sec. I think that uh, when we think about like, how do we actually create the volume of, of scaling companies that we need to, uh, to hit our goals, 
we think about more investment, and I think about it being more investors making more investments in people. So there's the total scale of capital, but there's also the diversity of perspective that comes into it so that we have a community. So that's one of the things that we're doing. And we've actually created an investor. We changed it from lounge to hub. I don't know. Uh, we, <laughs> but it's going to be loungy. And, um, but the investor hub is, is really about engaging that early stage investor and helping them understand what it takes to invest in tech. It's a different category than investing in oil and gas and real estate, and people need to get comfortable with it. So there's an education and engagement component. The investors that we talk to that are making these these checks want to get more sophisticated. They want to be at the table and see what's happening. So we have a family office program, and we're targeting 10 at least family offices to come in and move portion of their family office investments into tech, either as LPs or directly uh, as venture investors themselves. And that's been really well received and, and we're halfway to our goal of getting 10 there. And they're really taking the bull by the horns and joining in. They're not just kind of passive. They're really, really jumping in. You've got things like Startup TNT, which is, you know, for a $5,000 check, you become part of a, a large group. They raise about $150,000 at a time. And then those people go through a series of processes through pitching, but also due diligence. And they're learning to be investors while they're investing in companies. That's fantastic. And so we've just seen like the numbers that I know uh, that are coming out in, in early January are going to show 220% increase in early stage uh, pre-seed and uh, seed investment in Calgary in the last year. So that you know, is truly becoming something that's part of the, the Calgary landscape. And when we look globally and kind of compare Calgary's asset base to other places, this is why I'm so bullish on the city, because we do have that investable wealth. And there's a real need to look at other ways to put your money to work. So there's a hunger to do it. CDL Rockies just announced $1.3 billion of value created and that was a real watershed moment bringing CDL to Calgary because it got a lot of people who typically were real estate or oil and gas investors to give them a way to work together to invest in tech. And so a lot of kudos to to the folks at the Haskins School of Business and CDL uh, for making that happen in our city. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely feels like the landscape has changed from from an investment opportunity perspective. And as you said, um, you know, let's be let's be honest. There's a lot of people in our city who've done very well over the years, driven by our energy sector, and a lot of those folks are thinking about what the next investment opportunities are. And technology yeah. is, is a real place to put some capital. So, yeah, and we get uh, you know brand story, many stories now of uh, I think just in the past two or three years, we've had three unicorn valuation exits um, or like partial exits, and that is just a major signal in a city the size of Calgary, a region of, of our size, that there's something real happening here that people need to pay attention to. Switching over to, you know, we're a real estate company, I'm a real estate person. I'd love to get your feedback on on some things specific to real estate. So, you know, one of the things I talk to business leaders all the time about is you know, the fact that the workplace can be a significant contributor to organizational culture. Um, having spent time in both your buildings, you know, each are very unique and feel very intentional in terms of creating a supporting culture. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, your respective workplaces and, and how you think the physical environment ultimately supports the business. Maybe, Brianna, we can start with you. Absolutely. 
Yeah, the world has changed very much in many different ways over the last few years. And I think it's undeniable that there is an increased desire on the part of employees to have more flexibility in a hybrid scenario. So work from home to work from office. In our case, we have a subset of our employee base that does need to be on set all the time. But what we've heard from the group, generally speaking, is that people want to be in the office one to two days a week, if possible, and then work from home the remainder. And so we've had to really think about, you know, what is that space for? How do we actually establish it to be as functional in the best way possible to promote team building culture and productivity. And so even since we initially signed on the space that we're in, in the locomotive crossing building, our thinking has really evolved as the world around us has evolved. And so outside of it being actually an actual production facility for us, which has unchanged, the use of that other space really becomes focused around having almost a clubhouse for the company. So there is no substitute for in-person interaction. It's been challenging managing extreme limitations in that over the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. but there's something that can be said about this communal effervescence of having a shared space and shared physical experiences. So encouraging that and making sure that we have the right meeting spaces, the right touchdown spaces, flexibility in the office space, more of a focus on an open concept, but the ability for people to still have those spaces that in various size groups they can kind of push off to. Mm-hmm. We've gone through a variety of different types of spaces over the course of the history of the company. And I think that the creativity of the building really lends to the the interest of a group in being in it. And that space is very important. How you feel in that space is very important. And so when faced with the possibility of being more of like an industrial bay or sort of out on the the outer limits of the city, we felt that for us, creating a more central space that was accessible, especially as we scale the company, making it easy to access no matter where you are, and having a space that people love to be in is really key because even just like the joy of seeing the space or walking in the building each day or alternatively, complete depression in walking into a space, it really sets the tone for that day. And so the strength of a culture can only go so far in overcoming a space that's like really not ideal. So we couldn't be happier to be where we're at. And I think that we hear that from the group every day and we continue to expand within that facility. And people have really appreciated that, you know, we have given thought to the common shared experiences and the location. It is a very unique property. You know, would it have been easier to create what you've created in, you know, a box up by the airport? Would have been, but it also wouldn't have been nearly as cool. So you know, I really have to commend you on thinking about the culture of the company and developing a space and a facility that really reflects what it is you want to do, you know, from an organization perspective. So yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, to that point, I've actually had people make the comment that this space feels like us, which is great. You want that alignment because it feels right. Yeah, absolutely. Terry, I'd love your perspective. I mean, Platform is one of the most unique facilities I think I've ever walked through. Can you tell us a bit about what you thought through there? 
Well, start with a high-level comment, which is I think how Brianne just ended her comment is important to just focus on is that I think that if you're leading an organization right now, you recognize how important intentionality around how your people work and what you're trying to accomplish. And so the workspace itself is really fundamental to that. And I think what's also interesting is that there is a dearth of expertise in knowing like how to pull it off. And so I think I actually think that's a big opportunity for your industry is to really come to the table as advisors to organizations around how the place you work contributes to your goals. And so we've spent a lot of time thinking about this. You know, being hybrid has has been a boon to us. Last year we worked with over a thousand founders which is up from 600 the year before, up from 300 the year before. So we just like learned how to do it, work at scale. And it's a different experience, obviously. And it's also then allowed us to focus on, okay, when we bring people together, what is that about? So our building is designed to pull people together. I'm sitting right behind me is a pitch stage that connects the two floors together. And it really is you know, symbolically about this is the place you come to get support. You tell your story to a community, the community then supports you. That's what that's all about, that place. Then the rest of it, I mean, we're in a parking garage. There's a train going by us. It's purposefully industrial, open, concrete floors, the kind of place that you don't mind making a dent in the wall. You feel empowered to reconfigure your workspace to get what you're done. At the same time, you're not going to lifestyle it here. If you're a a startup founder that has a business that's going to grow, then you're going to want to be someplace that suits your business. And this is going to be a place you want to get out of. We're actually purposely trying to make it like that with that experience, which is interesting when you're leading a team of 30 to 40 people like I am, and they really do have to buy in culturally to our mission because at the end of the day, they're having that same experience that those folks are. So we have to really think carefully about how we treat our people, make them feel that they're getting a lot of traction in what they're doing because, like, again, we've created this this work environment that is really tuned to that creative process, the iterative process, in, out, and noise and community. So that's what it's about. We've been intentional. Our building is interesting because it's long and narrow. And uh, when we looked at innovation hubs around the world, the long and narrow presents really interesting opportunities because we want to maximize collisions. So our work environment is designed to maximize collisions. And so the fact that we've got a 440-foot-long building, it's a racetrack, so people haven't seen it. it, it's, it our plan B was to open a roller rink if we couldn't get it filled <laughs> up. So it is literally like that with a hole in the middle. So that imagine that style. You're going to run into people a lot all day long. Mm-hmm. Again, in both facilities, they do feel very intentional with the purpose being to support your mission, your business, and your culture. I think that's fantastic. But we're nearing the end of our time, folks. Really appreciate what you've been able to provide. It's been super insightful, so thank you. I do have one question. Maybe it's a bit more macro, but hopefully we can get you thinking a bit. So everything we've discussed today, you know, it feels like Calgary's technology sector is on the right trajectory. But in your minds, what do you think needs to occur for Calgary and Alberta to truly be competitive with major markets like Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, even Silicon Valley to some degree? 
You know, what's really interesting is uh, I know that Calgary is competitive on a number of dimensions. So in late January, a report came out saying that Calgary is 30th in the world for clean tech regions, that we are one of the top places for clean tech talent and knowledge, um, and that we're 25th globally on Series B financing in, in clean tech. We just opened the Energy Transition Center in Appersand downtown. We are truly a global player in that subsector, in, in brand sector as well, I'm sure. I don't have the handy stats because it wasn't uh, provided. And again, we've just hit another record in 2021 on venture investment. And then if you just sort of look online, the lifestyle opportunities that Calgary offers in a world where there's a lot of remote work, we have to now start thinking about a people-centered innovation ecosystem. We focus on those innovators and the kind of city they want to live in, the places they're going to work and build a community. I think we're going to take off. We need to, to get that capital off the sidelines and make the whole thing go faster through work like we're doing and, and our colleagues. Uh, I'm pretty confident and bullish on, on what's happening in the city. So the fundamentals are here. The desire is here. We've raised $5 million in private philanthropic dollars to get an organization like ours off the ground. This is not happening all across the country. So it's pretty exciting time here. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with everything that Terry said. And I think that one thing that we in Calgary need to do is really focus on what makes us different, what makes us unique, what would draw people to this city. It's an amazing city to live in. And I think sometimes that is underappreciated for those who are not here. A former marathon runner, in the U.S., a woman named Joan Benoit Samuelson. She held the women's marathon record for many, many years. But one thing that she says is when you're running a race, you don't turn around. Because if you turn around, you're running someone else's race. I think that Calgary needs to not try to be Toronto or try to be Silicon Valley or try to be Vancouver. Like Calgary is Calgary. And there's so much that makes it great about living here. And I think that the level of energy and resources that's going into the tech space is going to continue to grow. And we have to be confident in who we are and how that differentiates us and focus on that and grow those things instead of kind of looking in the rearview mirror, because it is a fantastic place to live. And like I said, it's been several years since I've considered going somewhere else. So I think there's just only good things to come. Really appreciate that. And, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm born and raised and you know, I, I think about my kids growing up in this city and I hope they stay. I hope they raise their own families and create businesses and opportunities. And it feels like we're at a cusp. Maybe we were down for a few years, but it feels like we're getting back to a cusp where things are about to get really, really exciting again in Calgary. So thank you again so much for your time. Really appreciate the insights today. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to working with both of you uh, this year. Really appreciate it. Thanks, right. Jeff. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliercanada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.